Hello and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 28. This week my guest is Kathleen Harriman. Kathleen writes so many different genres, we'll have to have a listen to her in a minute. <laughs> Too many to list right now as well. Um, so stick around for the author interview in a moment. So you probably know me as DJ Bowman-Smith, writer of dark fantasy and other bits and pieces, Um, but I'm also a children's author and I do that under a different name. And the name I use is Tiger Molly. Now the trouble with Tiger Molly is she gets very sorely neglected. I tend to kind of concentrate on the adult stuff that I write. And although I have lots of things that I could bring out for the Tiger Molly stuff, it tends to kind of sit on my hard drive or sit on my desk and it doesn't really get used. So this year my resolution is that I will spend more time doing some stuff for Tiger Molly so that she can get out there and, um, you know, be the children author that she needs to be. Uh, so it's not easy. Um, so I have a children's book for uh, a chapter book for children, which I have illustrated. Now, I've bought these out before and they've been hanging around. I never really do anything. I don't really promote them or do anything with it. And um, when I sort of thought I would, you know, make more of a thing for this and take the DJ Bomber Smith off it and put them under a different name and, and really try to promote them, I decided that the best way to do that would be to um, redo the covers. And then when my puppy was very small last year, I thought it was a very good idea to lift my drawing board into the kitchen so I could keep an eye on the new puppy and do these illustrations for these chapter books for children. And uh, anyway, so I bought one out last year. Might have actually been the year before. Cracky, I don't even know with the illustrations in it and the new cover and uh, obviously never promoted and did anything with it so it just sits there on Amazon doing nothing um, but anyway I've decided that I really must press on so you know I sorted out a website last year and got all that sorted out new logo and all that kind of thing um, got started on social media for it a little bit which I'm trying to get on you know most days to do a little bit of something on that kind of thing and uh, I have in fact managed now to uh, finish off the the interior cover interiors for the Sophie line too with the illustrations so I've got that and uh, but the trouble with it was when I looked at my book cover designs I kind of had a I haven't redone them but well yes I have redone them but not entirely from scratch so I've, I've improved them because I've got this new graphics tablet which I think I've been chatting about before so the new graphics tablet does make life very easy it's a really beautiful thing to use it's horribly expensive but I'm really glad I've got it and I thought well you know since I have this massive piece of fabulous equipment I will press on and redo the covers for these two Sophie Live books anyway so I did those and they're all finally ready to go and so this afternoon I do in fact think I will put the new cover up onto Sophie Line one Sophie Line Diamonds and Thieves and I'll put the the new, the second book out again with its illustrations and its new cover and um, that will feel like progress and then I'm really hoping that I can think about starting the illustrations which I won't draw on paper this time I'll do them straight into the graphics tablet so that you've already got a digital copy in order to put into the formatting which makes everything a bit simpler really because you don't have to do all that scanning it in and making the making the copy from the scanner into the formatting software that I use which is vellum if you're interested so that'll be that'll be quite a good thing and uh, so yeah so I do feel like I've worked quite hard it's been 
Um, it's been pleasurable. Uh, I've sorted out a better table for the graphics tablet. We found an old um, in our loft, which we're trying to sort out and clear out because we've lived here for 30 years and it's just full of stuff. My husband says we really need to deal with what is in that loft and um, get, it, get it sent to charity, most of it, mostly rubbish. And he said, you know, this is an old dressing table that we had in the old house and it's just sat up there for literally, I don't know, 20 years 25 years probably anyway so we bought it down I said oh gosh I think that would be ideal for a little table to put this graphic tab tablet on which is much better than the uh, picnic table like a foldy picnic table that I had it on before which is really wobbly and horrible so anyway so that looks much tidier in here because it's the same color wood as my desk here and it looks nice and neat and I quite like that so yes so I've been pressing on with that so hopefully this afternoon when I've got this podcast out because I'm a bit late with this job as well because it's always nice to press publish whenever you can <laughs> it doesn't happen often enough I think anyway come and meet Kathleen Harriman she's a lovely lady I know you're going to be fascinated by her stories so this week on the words and pictures podcast my guest is Kathleen Harriman she's an award-winning storyteller and a poet and she lives in the historic rich city of York North Yorkshire in England so Kathleen and I are quite near each other, although she lives at one end of England and I live at the other. Kathleen is a multi-talented, multi-genre author of suspense, psychological thrillers, crime fiction, romantic suspense, historical romance and paranormal romance. But also, she's a bit of an artist, which I was quite excited when I came along to uh, have a look at her website this morning and sort of check her out. So you're a bit like me, Kathleen. You do a bit of writing and you do a bit of artwork as well because you can get your book covers and I'll leave all the links in the show notes and much more besides. So I'm going to ask you, Kathleen, um, what came first, the writing or the art? The writing came first. Yeah, uh, It's something from long before I can remember, even before I could actually spell. Um, I, I still can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's something I, I just, I grew up with parents that loved to read to me. And consequently, I think that's where it came from. But um, my dad, uh, he was such a good artist, really good with his hands. He was a ship builder uh, by trade. And I think as I progressed as, an, as a writer, it was about the book covers. And that's when I sort of went back to looking at my artwork and bringing it really up to uh, date, more so using things like Photoshop to actually draw and create those covers, just something different. Yeah. And uh, did it? Did you get into it from doing your own book covers first? Yeah. And, was... and then decided you could do it for, do it for other people? Yeah, well, I think for me it was initiated by um, getting a book cover and then finding somebody else using that picture. And it sort of spoiled to me because you want to be unique. It's a bit like a story. You spent so long writing something, it needs to be different, it needs to be unique. And that's what actually led me into, as I say, going back and using my art background that Dad gave me but bringing it into the future and using Photoshop, which I'd never used before. And I had such dreams. I was going to get this drawing board and everything was going to be oh so easy. And it, it's been a challenge and a huge learning curve. Not so easy. 
Um, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I find um, I, I used to do book covers for people, but I, I found it was a bit of a world of pain. I, I don't do it anymore, not unless they pay me a lot of money. <laughs> but I do I do my I do my own. Yeah. I've never I've never learned how to do the animation, the animated book covers. I've got a couple out there, but they're not mine, but they work with somebody else whose name escapes me at the moment. But I'll put that in the show notes as well if you want to look at my animated covers. And uh, and I noticed you're doing animated covers as well. Yeah. I mean, they look fabulous, really good. Is it is it really hard to learn? Uh, no, I do the animations through um, uh, Photoshop and a mix as well of uh, other um, Adobe features because the animation you have to break down. They're easy once you know. Uh, yeah. Once you know what you're doing, they become easier. Uh, but it is like everything. a case of learning. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think, and also I think there's a lot of things on Photoshop that you can get online, like little tutorials. There's lots of really... Yeah. lovely people on there that share and 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 i learned photoshop well i used to use gimp back in the day did you use Uh, yeah did you use gimp because that was the free one but it used to sort of do things to your computer i always felt it wasn't quite and then you know when i started to make a little bit of money from my writing i i decided photoshop was the way to go and i i've never really looked back now i've just bought myself a big graphics wacom tablet that you can draw oh, on. I've got one, yeah yeah really like that so i've been doing oh, some okay. cart- cartoons since christmas i haven't quite um i've got a book cover that i need doing presently for my work in progress so i'll be on that shortly but uh yes i i love photoshop i could muck about yeah. in there all day really yeah yeah it's just everything every day is a learning curve yeah. um and I, I use After Effects. I don't know whether you've used After Effects. But no. After Effects is where you get, uh, there's one animation where you see the clothes moving, um, and that's done via After Effects rather than Photoshop because Photoshop can just get a little bit messy with it. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, it, 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 it is. It's, I think it's somewhere where you can almost lose yourself to Photoshop um almost like how we used to paint with oils I yes mean, don't get that oil i did smell. i like the oils paint smell yes. i, I used to paint i used to paint with oils yes yes yeah. in fact I, well, you can't really see much of my room in here but i've got my mother's old um palette a wooden you know palette for the oil paints and that's yeah. that's up here on the wall behind me somewhere and uh yes that lovely smell the linseed and all that kind of thing yeah. yes that's the shame with the photoshop I think that the Wacom tablet's got a kind of a slight grain when you use the pen. So I kind of feel like I'm working on yeah. paper, but I do miss the smell of oil paint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. It's when you walk in that room, because that was always an oil painter, which is probably why I inherited that. But there's nothing, there's nothing nicer to me than when you actually walk into an artist's studio and it hits you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, all the digital art that we do, and, you know, I do like the... The cleanness of it, the the instant thing. I haven't got to get paint out. I've got to buy another tube of this, or find a little scraper, or whatever it is. Or I don't run out of paper. It's just right there. I can just switch that board on. I'm off. Even if I've just got twenty minutes, I can do some sketching and some odds and ends. And I think that's really nice. But there has to be something that we lose. I think from the the actual tactile, sensory thing that you get from art. You know, when you're doing it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that digital art isn't real because it is real, but 
but I don't know. I think, yeah, there's a little bit lost, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you see things, don't you? And it's almost like your brain cuts in two. As a digital artist, you will see the shapes and the light differently to actually when you draw. And I draw with my youngest daughter. We have sketch days and we sketch together. And that's when you, I actually started to notice a huge difference between what it is to have physical paper and draw and colour as opposed to actually using the the tablets and, and, and Photoshop. And I think it's good to um, make sure, I think, that children get to experience both of these things. Because I think, you know, yeah. I, I think it would be a shame if nobody had ever smelt that oil paint, you know, or, no. you know, mix those watercolours up. And I don't know, it's that clink of the jar, isn't it, when you mix your brush? And, yeah. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, some, something about it. And, and actually, I think there's something very good for your mental health about, I don't know, washing your brushes at the end of the day and putting them to dry with a bit of spit on them and all that yeah. kind of thing, you know. Yeah, it is funny. Anyway, are we, we're chatting away about art like we're a couple of loonies, which we probably are. Kathleen Harriman's website, you can find that she does book cover design and she could also provide you with an assets pack for your um, advertising, which is so important these days, you know, across social media and that kind of thing. And she does all that amazing book cover animation as well. So that's your that's your artist self then, Kathleen. So tell us about the writing, because you look like me. We're both ladies of a certain age. We look terribly sweet, but we both write quite scary stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you get like me, they go, oh, don't you just write romance or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I, I mean, I do. I think the thrillers are very different. Um, I like to write from the point of view of the killer, which I think sort of, it, it's losing those inhibitions. You know, all those things that you go, no, oh, oh, that's terrible. And all of a sudden, as the killer, you sort of, well, actually, that doesn't matter anymore because they have a, a single-minded purpose in which you know that allows them to commit these crimes. And uh, when I wrote When Darkness Falls, which was the real first thriller that I'd actually written, um, I enjoyed the fun of the character. She was uh, almost sort of... Imagine if she was... Uh, not that this is in the book, but imagine if you was at the pictures and right in front of you, there's somebody's big head and you, you tap and you go up. I'm, I'm only five foot. So, yeah, I can really imagine. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. T- I'm tiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you just think, you know, you tap and go, oh, sorry, I can't see. Can you just, or you try and move yourself and you can't get out of the way. And I think as a killer, she just pop it up and think, well, that head's got to go. Whoop. I can see now. So, and yeah. I think it was that sort of thought that all of a sudden those niceties have gone. But then there's an element of restraint there to blend because you don't want somebody to notice you. You've got to blend into society. So there, it was almost like a, a two-pronged attack of a character and the person that you see. And uh, I remember, because I do an awful lot of research, the monster that people look for isn't necessarily a monster that you see. It's that internal monster 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we, we can see that by the likes of Ted Bundy, uh, where he was pillow community. Everybody saw him. He looked very sweet and a, a very nice man, but he was not. So, and, and I think that aspect sort of led me into the thrillers. And that's what I really liked, that grit about it. Are your characters always female killers then? Um, they are so far, yes. I have a book in the pipelines that won't be, but so far, yes, they are all females. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the nice aspect. I'm female, so I'm not trying to be uh, understand a different gender that I do, wouldn't really be able to walk in those shoes, I think, as well as I can um, a female's. Uh, put that perspective on. Well, maybe I'm wrong in thinking that, but that's how I feel, and that's why at the moment they are all female. Uh, Hidden Danger is slightly different because of the relationship that she has with her father, and I, I I know that it's quite a hard relationship, but I think it also helps to understand that killer the most, um, developing that relationship as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got so you've got these three books here with the um you've got uh uh two in sequence, When Darkness yes. Falls and Darkness Rising. And then Hidden, yes. da- Hidden Danger is a standalone or is that going to have a yeah, sequel? No, to it? Hidden Danger is a standalone. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it is a standalone. There's no sequel to that presently. Yeah. And then after that we've got a bit of romance and suspense. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, and a bit of poetry as well. So you 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 really yeah. are, you know, because I also write as a children's author. So I so I do, you know, two different things as well. Which do you prefer or do you just go where the music takes you? I go where the music takes me. Um, <laughs> yeah. there's no one that I prefer more than the other. Uh, the I did the paranormal, and funny enough, the paranormal romance that I've written, um, that's a series, that was the first book I ever wrote. I just never published it until um, last year. And that's when I revisited that one. And I think sometimes you write something and you know in your heart it's just not ready. And yeah. there's no reason for it, you just know. And I think for me, with that one, it was just written and packed and left until I was ready to revisit it. And when I did revisit it, I'm so glad because it developed beyond what I actually thought it was going to be. And there was different characters which I brought into that book as well, which I think made it more fun as well. Yeah, I think sometimes you just need a bit of space between the work, you know, no matter yeah. what that work is. You know, it can be something quite simple. It can be a blog post, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and it, if you just give it a little bit of time, when you come back, you'll see it fresh. You know, I, I would say never press publish in any form, not yeah. not not till a good couple of months have gone in between, if you can if you can bear it. Do you have your work professionally edited or do you do that kind of thing yourself? No, I don't. I have it professionally edited. I think the the problem is when you've written something, uh, because before it gets sent away for professional editing, I'll read it probably about 10, 12 times through. And it's amazing how you actually see those errors that you've missed. Yeah. uh, And it's still coming through. And that really forces me down the professional editing route 
because somebody's going to notice far more because they've never seen it before. Yeah. And I, I once um, was speaking to one editor. She does thrillers. And um, she actually reads the book. She'll edit it. And then she re-edits from the last page to page one. I find that quite fascinating. Oh, what? what reads it backwards? Yeah. Oh, how bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Because she, what she says is that stops her then from missing anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I suppose, I think sometimes, um, I know when I've had work edited of mine, I can see sometimes the editor has missed stuff, which the computer has picked up because I use like pro writing aid and Grammarly because I'm dyslexic. So I'm always on a, I'm always on the back foot me. And, uh, and I think sometimes you can see where the editor got lost in the story. Yeah. And, and they, then they, they were reading too fast and they've missed something that then the computers picked up. So yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I can afford slightly more experienced editors now than when I started out you know so so I think it's a it's a better thing yeah interesting I'm the same I do my own artwork um and I and I do as much as I can for my work as I can to, to kind of clear it up and not not how you know as, as I say my dissent I don't want the editor to sit there and cry because it's <laughs> it's all written backwards oh, that's, just, that's just how it turns out yeah because it's a complete my my work's a complete hack because hash until it's I've gone through it so many times because um I'm just you know I mean why be a writer when you've got this problem but never mind yeah what I find is that the the professional editing is absolutely key to getting your work you know you know I've seen a lot of um recently I've read uh probably five books over the Christmas period and three of them were by traditionally published authors and the three that were by traditionally published authors had errors in them yeah typos and things and the two that were that were indie authors had no errors that i could see and i think that is the difference i think we're so careful to get it right yeah. because people go oh you're not professional or mm, you're not as good as this person over here well i i think we work double hard to make sure that our work is absolutely as good as it can be. And I don't think always that the traditionally published authors get that. I don't think they have enough say. And also I think they can't take their work back because if anybody notices an error in my book, I take it out and I, I fix it and put it back out there again. And that's a lot of work, as you know, Yeah. you know, but, but I will, I will do that. I, I generally, if it's a new piece of work, I will keep a document and give it a couple of months, let it roll. And then I'll go back and fix a few at a time if there are any, which there were when I started out, not really so much now. I've been at this longer. Yeah. Yeah, so. you do. I think that's something that I've noticed. You develop as your books come out, you develop as well. Because you, you start like anybody, like any artist, uh, you start out at something and you're doing your very best and you're giving it your all. But that can't replace experience and knowledge. And as your writing is developing, you're developing as well. And I think you're so right in, in what you say. You learn so much from when you first started that the books and everything as well change with you. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. I think we, we write different things. And, yeah, I, suppose, I think I'd like to think we're improving all the time. <laughs> oh, so would <laughs> I. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to think that, yeah. So what's your work in progress Kathleen 
Uh, work in progress at the moment is another historical World War II uh-huh. uh, romance. They are romances, but if anybody's ever read The Promise, they know that it's actually more than that. Uh, the Promise I wrote with my co-author and friend, Lucy Marshall. She's dyslexic as well. Oh, as Lucy. Yeah. Uh, they say employ dyslexic, you see the big picture. Yeah. That's what they say, because I see the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote that. Um, and it, it's something um, that I'd always wanted, because my grandfather, he fought in World War II. He died at the D-Day landings en route to the Revenness. The stories I've been told from that, and some of those are within the promise. They're told within the promise. The Promise was more than just a romance. It it wasn't just about war. It was about the people, the people that fought on the front line and the people left at home um, to sort of pick up the pieces, really. Mm. So my next book, uh, again, World War II, but it's actually looking from the perspective of the nurses. Oh, yes. And yeah. what they actually went through. So it's taken me two years two years, um, a lot of research, because I'm not a medical person. So it's understanding that medical uh, requirement and as, as well as the conditions and what they actually went through. So this should be out this year. Uh, as I say, I'm just editing at the moment, ready for professional edit. So I would hope by the middle of this year, it will be it will be out uh, will this book I'm really pleased with it really you know when you write something and you think wow I'm really pleased with how that's come that's great that's because you a story I always think develops uh, I don't know some people are potters some people are and I always know the beginning the struggles middle and towards the end but it, it's almost like a sea with the waves. Everything fluctuates and moves. And so although I can see how I'm going to finish something, everything's still moving through with fluidness. So, no, I've, I've been two years in the making, but I'm very, very pleased with this, mm. with this work. Are you a plotter or a panster or a bit of both then? bit of both, really. Yeah, a bit of both. I don't think I could ever just rigidly plot something out. No, I can't. Yeah, I like something to hang it on. Yeah, I have. I have a structure. I have. I have a plot. A plot. Um, you know, like you say, the the ebb and the flow of of Mm. the plot line, and I'll have that written out. But I'm. But I'm quite happy to. I I couldn't write scenes, plot scenes, if you see what I mean, or or even chapters. I, I have a vague idea about what's happening within the within the storyline but how that manifests itself that doesn't really happen till I actually sit down and put the headphones on and you know lock my door and get into the mode you know and and then and then I'm and then I'm there you know uh, uh, do you do you write every day or or are you a bit like oh, does life get in the way like me <laughs> yeah life can get in the way got two kids and I also care for a mum who's got dementia. So try and write at least five, six days, just because I think it plays with your head. Uh, we we have a dog, you saying about yours, we have a dog as well. And I walk here and that's my think tank time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's when I've really 
Um, sometimes I can walk and I've been walking for an hour or so and I won't be able to actually tell you how I've got from A to B. I just you, you just normally gravitated in that circular route that you do. And um, the head's just been going with the story so that when I actually get home, I think, right, yeah, I know it now. I know what's going to um, happen. And same when I've killed off a character and I'm thinking, I know I want to. How is it going to happen? How am I going to do it? And sometimes that time walking, actually your head, everything unfilters and it comes through until you get this clearer picture. Yeah, I think walking is really good for sorting out your writing issues yeah. in the day. I quite often find if I'm if I'm getting on with my writing and then if I, if I come to a point and I just think, well, I'm there now, I've written that bit that I knew what was going to happen, but then I think... I don't know where this goes now. I know where the plot goes, but I don't know how it goes to the next bit. And then I grab the whippet and the whippet's like, oh, okay then. And then off we go. Yeah, off we go down the beach, you know, wake the whippet up. You know, whippet sleep all the time. Wake the dog up. And she's like, really? We've done this. And off we go. I go for another plod. And then I find, like yourself, exactly that, that I don't try and think about it. But I kind of trust my process now because I've obviously, like yourself, we've been doing this for quite a few years now. And I I trust the process that I know if I just go and walk and don't I don't try and think about anything. I just walk. And sometimes I get back and I don't I'm not particularly aware that I've actually thought through the process or thought, right, main character is here and something else is there. You know, what are they going to do? I don't actually do that. But when I sit back down at the keyboard. I do have a solution. So, yeah, yeah I, I would advocate, if you can, folks, go and have a walk. It's great. It, yeah, I love it. I mean, I love little conversations, sort of almost like character conversations. Mm. And, and that's how... Oh, it, do, it, do you it talk happens. aloud to yourself? I, I I have discussions. As I'm walking the dog, I think, I hope people think I'm talking to the dog, but actually what I'm doing is I'm I'm plotting the speech. <laughs> the thing. So it, it's yeah. funny. Well, yeah. I, I walk very early, very early in the morning. Um so there's normally there's just me and the dogs that early in the morning. It's still dark. They're all lit up with the harnesses and I've got my torch on. Um, so luckily there's sort of only me um, about, and I think I am a bit, probably if somebody saw me, they'd probably think, oh, she's a bit, a bit of a lunatic there. Because you do, you walk, and I do, you're right, you just sort of talk in a way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. Th- those mad women with their dogs—they're not—they're not crazy. They're just—they're just writers. Yeah, it is. It is very funny. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's—it's it's a strange—it's a strange world. I think it's um, you know, when I was young, I never wrote. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I've been writing since I was sixteen, or I wrote when I was a child. I was new, and all I never did. I was I was dyslexic. Christ, the last thing I ever wanted to do was put pen to paper. Or it's only when keyboards and things come in when I'm kind of in my thirties that I kind of began to feel that I could do anything at all with any of it. Um, and I think. Uh, it's it's a great privilege, I think, to be able to lose yourself in your imagination and and just um, actually make some money from it. It's bizarre. I'm always quite thrilled, you know, when the little checks come through, you know, into the into the bank account. And I think, oh gosh, you know, people are reading this and are engaging in just something that I've cooked up 
in the back of my head and thought, oh, this will be fun, you know. And it, and it's a great privilege to be able to do that, to have the time to, you know, tap into what your brain can give you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it extraordinary. Is, you know, it is, yeah. I mean, I've often seen stories in my head, in visions of things. And you're right, to be able to write that down. And I didn't, up until just before the children, um, I didn't really write at all until Haunted came along. And as I say, I just packed that. And then when I did The Other Side of the Looking Glass, that was the first book that I ever published. And that was, what, 2015, so a long time later in life did I actually feel it was right? I, I don't know. I don't. If I'd have written younger, would I have the stories that I have now or would life have just been different? Because I think sometimes what we use is experiences, overheard conversations, people that we've seen where I'm, they've just triggered an, um, our imagination and we've developed them into something different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether that would be different if I'd have started earlier, but certainly the imagination has always been there, always been there. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to, uh, I don't know, acknowledge that a lot of the, yeah, when I write, you know, fantasy stuff, you know, proper make-believe, but, of course, it only works because of my understanding of humanity, I think. Yeah. You know, because, like you say, you it's, it's people that you meet and it's your experiences of life that have come along that give you the, that enable you to get into a character's head and, um, you know, write, write what we do. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Kathleen, you're a bit of a polymath really, aren't you? You can do, yeah. do a, do a lot I'm of like things. My dad, my dad yeah. was uh, very similar you know, from oil paintings. We said, we've said about the um, rocking horse and that. Um, yeah. My dad was, the, he was an incredible um, person. He really was. Could put his hand to almost anything. And I think, Luckily for me, I've got that imagination from him that you can see things in in different ways. Um, and I've never been a no. You know, when somebody said you can't do that, or, and I think, oh, actually, you can. You've just got to develop that skill. Yeah. Um, maybe that's how Dad did it, because he never had art lessons as such. He just got his board and he, he painted and he drew and he was really really good same with when he made the rocking horse he just decided that's what he was going to do and that's what he did and he carved it out oh. nobody ever showing him as such and I think that's that's nice never to be able to put a limitation on yourself and I think that's important because you, you're capable of doing so much just don't limit yourself just believe yeah, I think I think that's part of being an indie author. I think indie authors we do have to just get on with it and learn the different parts. I just have to quickly explain because I will I don't keep the video. The video goes in the in the trash. Um as I'm sitting here talking to Kathleen Harriman behind her in her in her little den here which looks very fascinating full of lots of things. I can just see half a carved rocking horse. And when we came on air I said, "Oh my gosh, I love your rocking horse." Apparently, this is what her father carved and he was obviously very artistic and and he was obviously very enabling to you in order to help you help you work. I don't think I had anybody enabling in my childhood, but certainly my husband is always very you know 
positive about anything that I think I'm going to set off and do. He never goes, oh, you won't be able to do it or anything. He's always like, oh, great, that'll be interesting. And he's always, you know, and I think, was your was your father like that? An enabler? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, when it came to art and that, um, he, he was lovely um, because he was always so proud of everything and anything that I actually did. Mm. that in itself and I try and do that with my children as well Uh, my youngest is probably more like me and she loves her art Um, creativity uh, when she writes something she blows me away Uh, she's uh, 15 now Uh, my eldest is into a cooking so I can sit and I can do little models with the um, icing and that with her and I think I try and do that. I try to let them know that um, if I can guide and help them and we can do something creativity-wise, it's great. And I'd, I'd like to think that Dad's sort of here still with us saying, yeah, actually, that's what we were like. So it's Kathleen, it's been lovely to talk to you. Where can people find you online? You can find me at kathleenharriman.com and my web address. Lovely. Yeah. And I think you've, I'm looking at your website here. You can find all the links on there yes. with if you want um, artwork done you want to, or you want to buy books of many multiple genres. It's lovely. Yes. Anyway, it's Thank been lovely. It's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. I've had a whale of a time. Thanks ever so much. So lovely to talk to Kathleen Harriman about all her creativity. Uh, don't forget to check her out. Her website links are beyond the show notes and you can find the full show notes on my website, which is www.djbowmansmith.com. And don't forget that Kathleen also does um, book covers and you know marketing assets and all that kind of thing, as well as the books that she writes. So well worth having a look if you're thinking about getting any of that kind of thing done. OK, so next week, my guest is Ken Stark. So completely different conversation next week, as they all are. And Ken will be talking about the zombie apocalypse. So, you know, that was a fascinating chat and I know you'll really enjoy it. So do come along and have a listen. Um, In the meantime, I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. Until next time. Bye bye.